Because I feel like... like motorbike <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you do the I swear that guy's just driving around the block to piss me off <laughs> oh my <sighs> alright where was I this is the AT Banter Podcast a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Nice. Ooh, solid, solidly struck, sir. Yeah, Thank you. nicely done. <laughs> you must be sitting right by it. I am. Yeah, that's what I figured. You betcha. Because you are a consummate professional. Ready to wallop. <laughs> AT wallop. It's another good good name for a side podcast. I don't know what it would be about. Whatever happened to Banter Bits? Uh, we just, I don't. They're, they're still around. Are they? We could do it. We could do it anytime we want. We could. I think we got it. sick of doing them. We could bid it up. We only did like two. Ah, <laughs> uh, we did more than that. Three. So, uh, how's the week been? What's been going on with you guys? Uh, I'm waiting for warmer weather. Yeah, it's been chill. It's been very chill. Yeah, it's hard to believe that what two months ago we had that we had that stretch of warm weather that was like it felt like July, and now it's right back to like normal spring weather, and it just feels weird. Yep, it's good for the plants though. Lots of rain. Yeah, lucky lucky plants. At gardening. Gardening banter. <laughs> Listen to you. Weather banter. Banter, banter. Come on, banter. Banter, banter, banter. damn it. You banter. <laughs> Don't tell me to banter when you're not bantering. <laughs> damn it. Banter. Okay, so we can't talk about COVID. Okay, so that's off the table. So we won't talk about COVID. We can't talk about the protests because that's a bummer too. Yeah. Uh, what's left? Um, I, don't, I don't know. The, the the protests are are all bummer. You know, I, I, there's some uh, some fairly inspiring stuff that's being seen time to time. You know, there's obviously there there's uh, problems with police abuses, but it's it's good to see when you know crowds of protesters and police or military find commonality and and find peaceful ways of resolving things. You know, that that part of it has been nice to see. But there's you know, media tends to focus more on the the negative stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, even even and not going too far down the rabbit hole, but um, there was really only two or three days where there was some some real violence and, and looting. I feel like they're really everything's been pretty peaceful since the weekend. So I think that says a lot too. I think that that people are you know out there and they're peacefully protesting, and I think they just keep doing it until they they get some real change. And well, I think it was interesting to to watch because yesterday I found that there was a real pivot on the part of the, the protests in a, not, not everywhere, but in a lot of cases, um, the, 
there, there seems to be more organization happening, um, better organization. Uh, the, the voices of reason are, are being heard and the more reactionary elements have been kind of quieted uh, a little bit. And part of that may be that there's been 9,000 of them arrested around the country. <laughs> but, um, um, you know, I was watching yesterday on, uh, on the news and uh, there were uh, protesters on a, they were, they were by an overpass or something. And the day before they'd gone out onto the highway, caused all kinds of mayhem on the highway. Um, and, uh, there was a group of protesters that wanted to go back onto the highway yesterday and they just got shouted down by a, a huge amount of the crowd because, you know, they, they wanted the protests to be heard and to be, you know, respectfully done. Um, and not just to, you know, deteriorate into, you know, violence and, and, uh, and mayhem. So I think, I think the, the leaders of the movement are kind of gelling now and, uh, it'll be interesting to see where this goes in the next couple of days. So, uh, so what's, uh, what's going on over there at Canas Tech this week? Well, you know, we've got uh, our two uh, weekly events that uh, we've been doing for a while now. Uh, every Tuesday at uh, 10 a.m. Pacific, we have a anti-gloom Zoom room. Uh, and every Thursday at 5 p.m., we have our virtual pub night, which we have now added trivia to as well. So, Really? Have you? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How, how did, did you do that last week? We did. We, we did do it. it last week. Yeah. So what's the de- like? What's the dealio? Is it just for like? Uh, is there a prize? No. Uh, there, there has not been a prize to date. Just, uh, just bragging rights. Just mad props. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know. So what? yeah. If, okay. If, okay if, here, if, let me sweeten the pot then for this week. Okay. So whoever wins this week will get their name mentioned on the show next week. How's that? Now that's going to fire up that. some competition. Oh, absolutely. Your full name and address. <laughs> phone number. <laughs> phone number, email. <laughs> and a direct link to a Zoom bomber. <laughs> That's right. Now, who? Oh, hey, yeah, talk to me about this. I heard that you guys did get Zoom bombed recently. Yeah, yeah, we did. The, uh, the Tuesday Zoom room got Zoom bombed. Um, I was... Uh, uh, hosting and uh, all of a sudden a rather graphic image appeared in one of the boxes on screen <laughs> of a uh, man's uh, genitalia and he was uh, it's yeah yeah of Always course and uh, he seemed uh, quite um, shall we say excited and was um, yeah yeah stroking his really? excitement so to speak so yeah That's yeah weird. I, mean, I don't know well, the funniest part about it was that there were about eight people on the call at the time, and every single one of them was totally blunt, mm-hmm. except for me. Right. So, <laughs> Lucky you. So, uh, so I had to I had to give play by play to. to <laughs> it's like, hey, we're being zoom bombed. Look, it's a big penis. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't that big a Different. penis. It was just Man. a regular sized penis. I know that's pretty. I, in a way, yeah. I'm kind of impressed. That's like pretty good. That's that's perform. I would get performance anxiety. I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> Get nervous talking in front of people, let alone. Yeah, you know, since since it happened, you know, I just uh, I've been walking around shaking my head, like who does that? You know, what kind of what kind of person does that? Yeah, to to any group of people. 
you know yeah. it's just it's so so utterly disgusting and immature um yeah. hmm. uh, i don't know i don't know but yeah. he's been he's been reported to zoom for whatever good that does and uh um you know, my my only regret is that I, I didn't do a screen capture of it because there's a couple there's a couple of my friends who are hosting Zoom stuff who would have just found that hysterical. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I wonder if you see you guys mentioned. I'm I'm pretty sure you guys mentioned the the Zoom rooms last week on the podcast. I wonder if it's a listener. I wonder if he's out there right now listening to this. Uh, hey, he could have subscribed to our mail list. You know, he could be getting notifications of uh, the yeah. pub night shortly. So, yeah. So, yeah, if anybody uh, if anybody wants to get in on this action and uh, potentially <laughs> hang around for a Zoom bomber, uh, go to our website, www.canastech.com, C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H. And right down at the bottom of our homepage, there's a place to put in your uh, your first name and your email. And uh, we will start sending you notifications about uh, when these events are happening. It's like having a mole on your on your email list. Like, who is it? Somebody. Yeah, of course. You know, I also send these things out by Twitter and by Facebook too, right? So. Oh, do you? Yeah. Okay, yeah. there you. Okay. Yeah, so it, it could have come in that way as well. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're brave. I'm surprised. Yeah. Wow. Oh, hey, whatever. Join the party, dude. Absolutely. Just keep Absolutely. your wiener to yourself. <laughs> uh all right hey ryan yes uh what the hell are we doing today today we are speaking with the president of the march of dimes canada organization mr len baker friend of the show friend of the show indeed now he used to be with cnib am i correct that's what i'm i'm to understand yes yes indeed that's a big jump from CNIB. Well, I guess they're both national organizations. So, yeah. you know, it's just that March of Dimes, uh, their focus is a lot wider than just vision related. So, probably a good fit. Goddamn traffic. <laughs> I hate, You know what? People on motorbikes piss me off. Really? Well, they're too noisy. Can we, can we make motorbikes not noisy? Like, is that, can we do that? Or is it... Do they just have to be that noisy, or do people like them to be noisy? Um, uh, if you talk to a lot of motorcyclists, they like their motorcycles being loud because people don't see them. Ugh. Bah. Cyclists don't have a problem. Just put a little horn on it. Honk, honk. There's horns on them. Yeah, see, there you go. Make it hot pink. But I guess the, you know, the Hells Angels, they just wouldn't, wouldn't feel the same about driving down the middle of a street and going honk, 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 honk. Me, me. Me, me. Hi, everyone. This is Steve from Canadian Assistive Technologies, and this is a shameless plug. We've been working hard to find less expensive Braille products so we can make Braille available for more people. We can now say that we have Canada's most comprehensive lineup of inexpensive Braille solutions, including the 20-cell Braille Me from InnoVision, the soon-to-be-released 40-cell Orbit Braille display from Orbit Research, as well as the world's least expensive multi-line Braille reader, the Canute from Bristol Braille. You can have a look at them all on our website at www.canastech.com. Joining us now is Len Baker from March of Dimes Canada. Hey, it's Len. Hey, Len. 
Hey, Steve. Well, this is a coincidence. We were supposed to have you on the show, so it's amazing that you showed up. <laughs> I just, you know, I was looking back um, through my calendar, and it was June 2018, um, episode 105, um, that you last talked with me. So that's two <laughs> trips around the sun, or or, or nine, about 90 episodes of AT Banter. We've actually had you on the show? Yeah. Look at this, so long that Ryan's forgot. So... Your memory's good like mine, but it's short. <laughs> really, really short. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that was, um, I was doing uh, innovation and partnership with CNIB at the time, and we were talking about IRA oh, yeah. and Line Square and some of the new initiatives that uh, CNIB was undertaking at that time. I guess I better go back and listen to that. <laughs> Oh, man, I was like something wound up that day. I didn't let you get a word in edgewise. <laughs> well, we started talking. There was no banter. It was just me. Blabber. It was AT Blabber. Actually, that's a great side podcast. I have to think about that. I like that. Well, listen, hey, thanks for coming back on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. It's been too long. It has, and apparently a lot has changed. <laughs> yes in many ways why don't we just start out with uh give us a give us a little bit of a snapshot of march of dimes canada and uh just what the organization does happy to and, and again thanks for the invitation uh i was with cnib for 25 years as you may recall and uh, and moved over with march of dimes canada about 18 months ago it's an amazing organization with a really proud history we're a national registered charitable organization it's all about uh, enhancing opportunities for inclusion and independence for people with disabilities in Canada. We've been around since 1951. We actually started to help uh, eradicate polio. So we kind of were born out of the last great pandemic or one of the last great pandemics uh, and, are, and are moving our way through the current one, uh, engaging uh, people with disabilities in our programming and, and the scope of them uh, is, is very interesting. So I think a lot of people uh, may know the name Mark to Dimes Canada, but may not be all that familiar with all the work that we do. But there's three sort of broad buckets of support that we provide uh, in communities across Canada. The first being our community support services, which is uh, attendance and PSWs, supporting people with disabilities in their home. We're also involved in supportive housing. So looking at uh, other uh, types of community-based living uh, arrangements that allow people with disabilities to stay in their communities. And we also do a home and vehicle modification program through that program offering. So the first pillar is really about enabling people to live independently in their communities. The second pillar is employment services. And we provide supports, everything from uh, vocational psychology, counseling, all the way to uh, working with employers and advocating opportunities for people with disabilities to make their way into the labor market. And then the third pillar of what we do is really our community-based donor-supported programming uh, that promotes programs such as our new after-stroke program, which will be supporting the needs of stroke survivors once they've left healthcare and want to live independently in their communities. Again, we do technology services. We have a post-polio program to help uh, polio survivors. Uh, we're advocates in the community. Uh, we have a recreation program. So a real broad swatch, a big umbrella of services to support people with disabilities across Canada. We have 
2,100 employees working out of about 120 uh, locations across the country. Well, I was I was really stunned when I looked at your website because, you know, like you say, most people don't know what March of Dimes does. Um, and uh, I was just really blown away at the number of services that you provide. Yeah, and and for me, uh, one of the great strengths of our of our organization are the scope of by integrating them together and ensuring that if somebody finds their way to us through our attendant care program or through employment services or through after stroke, we have a way of connecting them with the broad, broad scope of what we have to offer. Uh, and we can really play a significant role in people's lives and enabling them to um, achieve their dreams and live independently in their communities. Just to clear this up, uh, because I know that I was confused initially, um, is March of Dimes in the, in the U.S. affiliated with, with uh, March of Dimes Canada? No, we are two completely separate organizations that share the name March of Dimes. Uh, the organization in the United States has a completely different mission and focus than March of Dimes Canada does, um, but we are we are completely separate entities. Well, you know what? Let's let's it's the elephant in the room. Let's talk about COVID for a minute, and <laughs> maybe talk to. <laughs> sorry, Steve. Uh, no, Damn it! <laughs> why, why don't we talk a little bit about about COVID and how it's kind of impacted um, the services that you guys are providing, and kind of how you guys are pivoting your programming. Um, to, you know, as a result? Yeah, great question. Uh, obviously, first and foremost, uh, our concern has been for the well-being of our clients and our staff. Uh, so immediately upon uh, a state of emergency being declared and businesses closing their offices, we uh, relocated our staff uh, to home-based. Uh, it meant the disruption of face-to-face -face services and, and group programming, of course with our clients across the country. And we had to pivot towards more of an online virtual model of service delivery. Our attendant care program um, is considered an essential service because without it, people with disabilities um, who require an attendant or a PSW would obviously um, be at a disadvantage and unable to uh, maintain their daily uh, activities. So our 1,700 attendants are still out working with people in their in their homes uh, through our supportive living environment. So the vast majority of our of our programming really continued uh, through that model. Our employment program um, focused more on on uh, working remotely and using technology to connect with consumers, as did our after-stroke and, uh, and our other community-based programming. It's been an interesting journey for us in, in many ways. One was, you know, adopting and utilizing technology in a new way, uh, which has fostered uh, the ability for us to connect with many of our consumers who prior to COVID may not have been as engaged uh, with us because if we were doing group activities uh, in a location, inviting people to participate, and that was how we were serving 90% of our, of our population, by moving to a virtual online uh, program delivery, many people who due to transportation issues or because of where they live uh, could not participate in those programs. So interestingly, um, if something good is going to come out of our COVID experience, I believe it will be our ability to engage with more Canadians with disabilities by utilizing technology uh, more so than we have 
uh, historically, and, and also um, being able to demonstrate the impact of being able to deliver programs virtually as a reliable and effective means of service delivery. And I think a lot of organizations are, are learning about that as well, how to effectively deliver, say, a rehabilitation program uh, when you're not actually in person uh, with the client and being able to demonstrate its effectiveness. But also coming out of this experience, as well as how we've been providing services, I think even more importantly, is what we're hearing from our clients across the country, and which is what spurred us to launch our Conquer the Curve campaign, which was how isolated and alone many Canadians with disabilities feel anyways. And COVID has just exacerbated that reality in their lives. And as we're reaching out and talking with people across the country, what we're hearing from them is simply how important it is for them to know that there's somebody out there who they can connect with, can talk with, uh, to help break down the loneliness and, and feelings of isolation that many people feel. And I think that will be a forever change within our organization is that realization that so much of what we can offer our community is really just being there as someone to talk to, someone to connect with, uh, because so many people are feeling um, kind of lonely and isolated um, at the best of times. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, my sense too is that a lot of organizations are, have been in the same boat and are finding themselves in the same boat um, mm -hmm. because really that's really the only option for a lot of organizations was to, to move their programming online. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that it, a lot of them are finding exactly what what you guys at, at March of Dimes are finding is that um, people are sort of embracing people who may not have historically engaged in online activities at all because they just felt intimidated by it or or everything. And now they've kind of been forced to. They're kind of realizing that there is a real benefit to that. And I think a lot of organizations are maybe perhaps reaching people and are able to help people that maybe they wouldn't have been able to because of um, accessibility issues or travel issues or, or whatever. So in a weird way, mm -hmm. the COVID crisis could you know end up being a little bit of a positive for some organizations and for some people who are, are requiring services. Absolutely, I think it, it will forever complement you know, I think that there will always be the benefits of people being together and being able to share their experiences or learn in, a, in an environment where we're under the same roof together. And, and that will always be an important part of our how we provide service. But we've also learned that we can um, and we can be effective in delivering programming online and allowing people to develop new skills, to develop their confidence, uh, to learn, to feel connected to their community course a challenge for us and, and a big focus for us moving forward as we now launch on a, a new plan around developing our new strategy for our organization to guide us into our next 70 years we'll be 70 year olds and 70 years old next year wow. uh, is to look at technology and what role March of Dimes Canada can play in breaking down barriers and enabling access to the technology people need so as we're learning, um, that they can feel connected, they can learn new skills, and people have the ability to uh, utilize technology in a meaningful way in their lives that who may have previously not considered it as a viable solution. Well, 
have heard from people too that, you know, some provincial organizations who don't have maybe an office in a remote location, they're able to reach out or have people reach back to them, get in touch with them. And like you say, you know, access programs and services that they normally wouldn't have any access to. And I think, you know, the COVID situation also shows us that working remotely is a huge, huge benefit for people with disabilities. And it, it can only open up more opportunities for, for us. Completely agree. And, and not just for people with disabilities, but I think this big social experiment that we've all been thrown into uh, with so many people now working from home um, has cast a light on just how important work-life balance is for people. And certainly for people with disabilities, also be um, dealing with transportation issues or may feel a little bit, certainly during COVID, feeling more vulnerable about being out in public because of potential underlying health issues. Um, our ability to flex our approach and demonstrate that, you know, our, our team, uh, we've moved the needle on so many things over the, over the last number of months. And as we launched, uh, you know, our internal uh, new values campaign, for instance, and, and talking about who we are and, and how we relate to each other, we did all that virtually. If you'd asked me six months ago, you know, how would you like to do this? Would you like to do it virtually or get everybody in a room together? I think my, my thinking on it would have been, yeah, we should just get in a room together. Right. But we've been really effective working uh, remotely as a team. So I agree with you. I think it will open up new opportunities for people and, and, and change our labor market dramatically in terms of how people work or their expectations around what their work-life balance will be. So in terms of... Um... In terms of that pivot, though, what what were the big challenges for the programs? I mean, were, were a lot of the programs that you guys were offering, were they sort of easy to fit and, and to sort of evolve into that online space? Or was there a real challenge around that? Yes, I, I think it would be fair to say that some programs we were able to pivot and, and provide online much easier than others. Um, programs like our employment program, um, even our aphasia and our afterstroke programming, which were sort of group-based, um, we could connect people online again and, and have meaningful conversations with them and, and enable them to, you know, benefit from all of the aspects that the program had to offer, even though it was online. Some of the areas where we were challenged, of course, would be in our programs like our recreation program, where we used to take groups of people to, you know, a, Blue Jays game or out on a, you know, a recreational outing. Um, those had to stop and things like camps, those types of activities. Using virtual um, connection is one way of helping people, but it, obviously it, it really impacts the types of activities that you're able to provide. Our, um, you know, any of our programs that really required us to work face-to-face -face individually with with people to develop their skills, uh, like our uh, conductive education program. Um, we've been reaching out online to provide support, but it's been um, much more of a challenge in, in those few areas than in, than in others. But again, as I say, it's, it's really around uh, us learning how those components of those programs can be delivered online and virtually, um, what type of follow-up can be done to ensure that we're meeting our objectives in the program. So. In terms of research, uh, and I've talked with other organizations about this, it's it's really being able to understand and demonstrate the efficacy 
of, of online service delivery um, and, and being able to confidently say that, you know, this program can be as effective or nearly as effective uh, being offered virtually as, as we were able to do when we were um, with people individually or in groups. But as I think, you know, another key challenge for us was actually having the technology. You know, the staff needed, uh, we need to quickly get laptops out to people and smartphones out to people to be able to do their job remotely, who were more primarily office-based. And then ensuring that our consumers had access to those devices to be able to participate and our efforts to, you know, in engage them uh, in, in our programming by ensuring that the technology wasn't a barrier and, and working to help overcome some of those things. Um, talk to us a little bit about the the this the conquer the curve program that you were you were mentioning. Um, what what was that, and and how did it go? That program again came out of the conversations that we were having with our consumers across the country, and, and hearing about how COVID had created this additional barrier uh, to their sense of independence and community participation. That social distancing for a population of some individuals with disabilities who are already feeling rather isolated was just compounding it. Uh, even you know, having friends drop by to visit was no longer advisable. And Conquer the Curve was really intended to remind the community that while social distancing plays such an important role in our ability to help fight back against COVID-19 and limit the spread of the disease, it was also putting a, a real pressure on the lives of many people, particularly um, vulnerable individuals who had underlying health conditions, who would be even more reluctant to want to participate in any type of face-to-face uh, -face or, or um, close contact activity. That what March of Dimes was reminding the community about is, is that we as an organization and we as a community need to understand and advocate for um, the needs of people with disabilities during this difficult time. And I can tell you the response from the community has been overwhelming. Not only have has the community said, listen, we, we like what you're trying to do and we want to support the growth of your programs, but it's also opened up partnership opportunities where other organizations have said, you know, here's what we're doing. And it's created a conversation in our community that's been really important uh, to be able to share information uh, to look at effective programs that are helping conquer the curve and, and broadening uh, the scope of what's available for people with disabilities. So it's been, uh, it was a, launched very quickly um, as a result of, of what we were hearing, but uh, I think it's, it's proven to be a rather effective mechanism for uh, a really important conversation we're having in our community. Yeah, we've been um, for the last few weeks doing um, uh, the uh, anti-gloom Zoom room mm -hmm. and a uh, uh, pub night on Thursdays. Yeah. And there, generally speaking, we have a core group who shows up and shows up all the time. Um, but we're starting to see it spread out and people, you know, sending it to other people and, you know, they're, they're telling two friends and so on and so on. Yeah. And uh, we had our first girl from Texas the other day. Um, and... Uh, yeah, we're just, it's, it's interesting to see how the, the community is responding to things like that and opportunities like that, because there's just, you know, when, when you can't get out, it's, uh, it's pretty boring. 
I, I love that idea of, a, of an anti-gloom uh, activity because I think, you know, we sometimes just feel um, so overwhelmed by everything that's happening around us. And we know many of our consumers feel that way. Um, but raising uh, the bar with regards to the expectations of how we, how we respond. And I think, as I said at the outset, this whole idea around loneliness and people feeling isolated is very real and can lead to decisions around you know, what they're independent, it can impact their independence. So I think if there's something, you know, that's really um, risen uh, in terms of its visibility uh, as a result of COVID has also been, you know, people moving into long-term care facilities and, you know, the prime minister saying that we have to do a better job of, of taking care of seniors and, and, our, and our elders in our communities. And I think that within, the disability community that's something we've been talking about for many years is that by putting the right supports and accommodations in place people can live respectfully and confidently in their homes longer through our home modification program by putting a ramp on somebody's house maybe the difference between them thinking can i continue to live at home or do i need to think about an alternate care facility to move into so i think that all of the things that have come to the fore during covid can have a forever change in terms of how we are supporting and promoting um, the importance of accommodation, uh, supports, uh, either financially or, or, or personal supports or, or modifications to homes, training and skills development uh, to support people with disabilities to live um, in their homes. So let's talk about, about you specifically, um, because now you, you were previously at the CNIB and what was, so what was it like to make that transition from an organization that was, say, vision-based to March of Dimes, which is so much more broad in its, in its focus? You know, we're talking about, your, you know, programs for anybody with, with disabilities. Was that a challenge? No, it was, it was a real opportunity. I, I had been 25 years, wonderful years working with CNIB. Um, and started my career in Atlantic Canada and uh, joined the team in Toronto in 2011, took on some national roles at that time. And I've always been uh, focused on identifying where needs are and where opportunities arise to, to support those needs. And it doesn't matter if you're working with people who are blind or partially sighted or people with physical disabilities or people with cognitive um, issues, it, it's, it's really around understanding and listening to what people are telling you with regards to how their lives could be better, wanting to participate in the community and understanding that it really is about us. And it's not like us and them, because as I used to say at CNIB many times with, with people when I was talking about vision loss was that, you know, you're really one doctor's appointment from becoming part of our community right. <laughs> and and it's the same for people with physical disabilities or intellectual disabilities of course there's a cohort of individuals who uh, are born with, with their disability but they to them when you're born with a disability and when i work with children who are blind i'd have to remind parents that you know children who are blind don't know that they see or don't see any different from anybody else they just get on with their lives the way that they they want to, and we kind of impose the barriers and the limitations. And it's the same with all disabilities. It, it's really about enabling people to be able to 
carry on and move on with their lives to do the things that they want to do. And, and I think any organization uh, within our sector um, hold those types of uh, beliefs uh, as, as their driving mission and belief around independence and inclusion, supporting the needs of, of individuals, being innovative, looking at technology. All those things were true at CNIB and all of those things are very much true at March of Dimes Canada and at Easter Seals and, you know, with, with Spinal Cord Injury Canada, like all, all these organi organizations, though they may focus on a specific um, population or demographic within the disability community, I believe at the heart of everything we do is, is just enabling people uh, to live respectfully and independently and, and to be able to live a, a fulfilling life. And I'm, I'm so happy to be part of an organization that, you know, for 70 years has, has fostered and demonstrated that in everything that it's done. And uh, so it's been a, a big learning curve for me, no doubt, uh, as you could imagine, uh, to learn more about all of the programs that we offer. But as you listen to individuals and, and hear about what it is they're trying to aspire to do, uh, there's so much commonality um, that it was uh, it was easier for me to be able to to begin to understand how our programming can can best support our consumers. And you know, this is a complete non sequitur, but I promise I'll tie this all back together, hopefully. But you know, I I, I love post apocalyptic movies. Okay, but what drives me crazy about them, I always look at them and go, you know what, this just isn't realistic. This is not how people would behave in, in terms of, of a crisis. Um, we're, social, we're a social species and our survival, the only reason that we're here, the dominant species on the planet is because we're able to work together and we, we work together. Yeah. Um, and you know, this COVID crisis has really, I think proved that because I, I don't know about March of Dimes, but um, you know, I, you know, I work for a nonprofit here and, um, Giving Tuesday was, was not too long ago. Um, they, they did a bit of an impromptu, uh, version of Giving Tuesday again for, for COVID and the response for people. And, and these are people who they're in the, we're in the middle of a pandemic. A lot of people have, have lost their jobs, high stress and everything, but yet a campaign like that. It was, a, it was a really big success. People are still willing to give, even especially, I think, in the mm -hmm. midst of, of a crisis. And that makes me really feel good about humanity in general. I guess my question is, is have, has that been your experience at March of Dimes? Have, have, has the community and, and people been really sort of more, even more receptive to, to helping out in the midst of this? I think overall, yes. I think when people were able to get over the initial shock of everything that was happening to them, uh, and this, you know, now being social distanced and, and being confined to your home for the most part, um, once people began to take toll of, of what this new temporary, hopefully temporary normal is like for all of us, that um, once we be, were able to take a step back and think about know the things that are important to us and understanding that many of our loved ones family members uh, friends co-workers um, were really struggling with the sense of of isolation and loneliness uh, that accompanied um, social distancing and people living from home 
I think once people began to really get their head around, this, this is so different for us. And even though I'm in 10 Zoom meetings a day, uh, it doesn't quite have the same feeling. And I do miss being in the office, being with my, my friends and co-workers. For, for many people in, in our community, um, I think that as we started, and I think Conquer the Curve helped in that conversation, was to remind people that, you know, to your point, what makes us stronger is the, is the connection that we feel. And yes, and I, I have to say, I've been somewhat surprised and impressed with how effective a really well-managed Zoom meeting can be. Uh, I know many of us are getting a little tired and of, of, of spending so much time in front of a screen, but you can see the passion and the enthusiasm and the desire to get on with with making our world a better place. And, and certainly COVID has thrown a curveball at that, but I don't think that's taken away sort of the indomitable human spirit to want to, you know, continue to, to make change. I mean, all you have to do is look at what's happening south of the border right now right. and people's passion for what's important, uh, though we live in a, a rather to this overarching health issue that we're all trying to fight against. Um, the underlying sense of, of social justice and what's right and supporting people who need help, uh, that hasn't diminished. Uh, given that it is, well, as we record this anyways, uh, it is National Accessibility Week. Um, mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about uh, the, the program that you guys are running at the moment called Designability. Um, yeah, that's a great question. Designability um, is, a, is a really interesting program that we've been offering for a number of years where we uh, engage de um, developers, uh, carpenters, individuals um, to help us find solutions uh, that support the needs of somebody um, who has identified um, life and they're just looking for the right sort of device or gadget <laughs> or solution to help them with it. So you know, everything from uh, uh, technology that would allow you to um, pick up something uh, because of the specific type of disability that you have to more sort of high tech solutions. We actually partnered uh, with the University of Manitoba uh, to, to look at how we could expand that program into Western Canada and utilizing uh, their uh, um, physiotherapy and OT physical science programs, because there you've got, you know, individuals whose whole careers around helping find solutions um, for people. Uh, it's, it's a really interesting um, program. So during um, this week where we are really raising awareness about accessibility and, and the abilities of people with disabilities, um, that program, our home and vehicle modification program, where we, you know, make people's homes accessible for them or we get their vehicle um, such that they can continue to drive. Uh, our focus on technology through our AMTI program, which is getting tablets and, and, and smartphones out to individuals who don't have one so that they can uh, access the apps they need and participate in, in Zoom and other meetings. Um, and our ongoing efforts around advocacy and, and ensuring that governments are, are listening to and, and are being informed by the needs of, of our community. Um, those are really the, the key areas that we want to continue to highlight and demonstrate to Canadians uh, that with the proper accommodation and supports uh, that we can make a difference in the lives of people with disabilities and for them to hopefully have a better appreciation and understanding of the important work that March of Dimes Canada does towards that as well. 
because as you discovered when you when you you know did your research to find out more about us, I think we're we're one of the best kept secrets out there. We do we do so many good things, and uh, so few Canadians um, really they may know our name, so we're well known, but we're not known well uh, with regards to all the things that we offer. So if we can use this week also as a as an opportunity to showcase uh, all that we have to offer, uh, if that will help people find their way to us benefit from what we have to offer then i would think that would be a great outcome as well absolutely i mean i like i remember like and i think that you know one of the benefits that you have is well you're 70. uh like i remember uh being in school and doing dime drives um, yeah. you know yeah. um yeah. march of dimes has been has been around a long time and but i think that you're right i think that people don't remember or they don't really they, they be, I, and I think that it might be because of the scope of everything that the organization does. Mm -hmm. The downside of that is that people sort of, because it's not super focused, um, people forget. Um, but, it, but it is, you're, you're doing incredibly important work and um, you need to be recognized for it. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, you know, and, and again, I think within our sector, um, and the same was true, I, I remember when I was at CNIB, you know, when, when you think about how well your brand and your service is known in the community, um, for people, you know, 55 and older, uh, who grew up supporting and understanding the role that charities and charitable organizations played in their community, our, our names were pretty well known. Again, what we did may not be all that well known, but people knew March of Dimes, they knew uh, Easter Seals, they knew CNIB. They, they, but for a younger generation, um, those names don't have that same familiarity or context for them. And it's, it's really about demonstrating impact. And the work that you do, um, to me, is, is, the, is the most important aspect of helping people to understand um, why you need their support and why their support is important. Um, more so even than the name recognition, it's who is that organization that's helping people, you know, survive after their stroke and stepped in to help my mom or dad or my, my family member after that? Or who is that organization that helped my brother get the technology he needs? To me, it, that's most important. Uh, Len, I, I, I know where you're, you're dealing with the, uh, the, the current COVID crisis, but can you tell us about your camps for, for when things get back to normal? Yeah, we, we, we don't do like the traditional sort of summer camps um, at, at, March of, at March of Dimes Canada. We, we have uh, group programming that kind of takes a bit of a camp format, and we do camps um, off-site during the summer months. Um, our, our camp programming really tend to be around specific um, aspects of, of enabling people, say, with aphasia, uh, which is uh, a difficulty in, in communicating in language uh, that can result from a stroke or, or acquired brain injury. Um, those types of programs we offer in a camp environment because we see the benefits of bringing people together. We have an aphasia camp in, in BC, in Alberta, Manitoba, Ontario. We were hoping to have one in PEI uh, this fall, but uh, obviously because of COVID, we had to put those plans on hold. But group programming uh, and for skills development, for confidence development, uh, for the social aspect of it uh, is, is core to what we do because we see great outcomes from it. 
But again, we've had to flex that approach. So, you know, our aphasia camps now are moving online. We have an ongoing aphasia group that meets in uh, York region and in Peterborough um, that now about 60% of those participants continue to meet regularly um, in a Zoom meeting uh, where you've got, you know, 25, 30 people uh, all joining uh, virtually to participate in those programs. So again, like like so many other organizations, those uh, those group activities, be they camp or ongoing uh, support groups, um, it, we've had to flex our approach to delivering those. And and but fortunately, uh, for those that have been participating, when we're connecting with them and asking about their experience, they're so appreciative for the fact to be able to to have their friends there online with them again, and to know that they're doing well, and to feel that connection with other people. That they usually would have had, you know, in the lake together or jumping in uh, into a boat together. So it's it's different. I guess it's the same that many of our kids and and others will be going through this summer, where everybody loves the camp in in, in the summertime in Canada. And now, what's that going to look like in the future, or at least for this year? I think everyone's trying to find a new approach to to help people through that time. Yeah, as long as we have to. Uh go through this social distancing, it does make group camping a little, a uh, little more difficult for sure. Oh yeah. You know, almost, almost impossible. And, and, and again, I guess it'll also depend on again, how we, how we deal with the spread of, of COVID-19 and, and each province will have their own approach to doing this as well. So it'll be interesting for organizations, obviously to keep in lockstep with what's happening in provinces for national organizations like March of Dimes Canada to stay in lockstep to ensure that we are um, in line with um, provincial and territorial expectations around program and service delivery as well. Something I was thinking about earlier today, and I am not well informed on it, but in the Accessible Canada Act, is are you aware of anything in there that addresses the situation we're currently in with people working remotely? Because that's going to be a whole new discussion. Yeah, I think it'll come down to again the issue around accommodation, and and I think that that will be the key um, element in terms of how we're accommodating um, the ability for people to work remotely. That they have the technology, that their companies, if they're using certain technology or infrastructure, that that infrastructure is accessible for their workforce, which would apply whether or not we're in a COVID situation or not. Uh, I think it'll it'll ultimately. Uh, raise issues around um, the rights of employers, I, I'm sorry, the rights of employees uh, to be accommodated in the workplace uh, so that they can be productive. And certainly if, if you're now working remotely and the equipment that you're using isn't supporting your ability to do your job adequately, I, I think that will raise all types of, of opportunities um, and, and hopefully um, reduce barriers uh, related to accommodation in the workplace. But I think that would be one of the key areas will, will be uh, how employers are able to accommodate a remote workforce to ensure that technology, as much as it can be a door opener and an enabler, uh, doesn't become uh, a barrier. Right. Yeah, and I think that, you know, even opening up, up that, uh, opening that up even more uh, to just online in general, I think that it would be my hope going forward too. now that we're in this space where online services mm -hmm. are so important, more important than ever. Um, 
the need for digital accessibility is yeah. very high, way higher than it ever has before. And so that, you know, I, I really hope that people really start to take that as seriously as the build environment. Uh, because really, I mean, people's, you know, lives could depend on being able to, say, order their groceries online. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're sort of beyond this point of this idea that, you know, web accessibility is sort of a, you know, an add-on or, <laughs> you know, an option. It, it really isn't. And I really hope that digital accessibility is, is certainly something that uh, gets taken a lot more seriously uh, in the coming years. I couldn't agree with you more, and that's a that's a really important consideration. As now, more and more of the services that we rely on, we're using an app uh, to get access to them, uh, or we're visiting a website and we're looking at menus, and, and we're wondering whether or not uh, all of that digital content is is accessible and available for everybody. So again, uh, talk about tapping into a, a market. Um, the smart um, service provider uh, or company is going to realize that any barriers that they put in place is potentially limiting uh, access to a, a, you know, 6 million Canadians with disabilities who may somehow be impaired in their ability to, to access those services or, or yeah. offerings. So you, you make a really good point. Shoot Len, is there anything that, that you'd like to cover that we haven't asked you about? I, I just, you know, appreciate the opportunity to come on and, and, and talk with you guys about the important work that uh, our organization is doing. Uh, that you know, the more people find out about us, um, I get calls all the time from from you know developers and entrepreneurs and, and other service providers who say I had no idea you guys were doing this until I heard about Conquer the Curve and started to find out more about Market Dimes Canada. So uh, let's not make it uh, two years before I come back again. I think our our world is changing so quickly that. Uh, we need to stay in touch a little bit more often. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to speak with you and and, uh, and and use this as a as a really effective means of reaching out to our community. Say, listen, we're we're here to help. Uh, we've got seventy years of experience. I've got a great team of staff um, and volunteers who are very passionate and dedicated about the work that they do. Um, I think the more people find out about us, uh, the more they'll say, you know, how could we work together and what can we do to make our our society more accessible and, and enhance independence for everybody. So I appreciate the opportunity, guys. Well, hey, listen, you're you're invited anytime. Anytime you got something that you want to come on and talk about, we're we're happy to have you. Oh, you'll be sick of listening to me then. Okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, then, Len. Well, listen, thanks so much for taking some time out and joining us. And uh, best of luck. Thank you. Take care, everybody. Okay, stay well. Care. Thanks. Okay. You too. Cheers. Bye. Well, he is a busy guy, I'm sure. Oh, no kidding. So many programs, so much shifting to do. Well, not only that, they're, they're running programs, but they're also involved, heavily involved in advocacy. And, um, you know, I did, we didn't even get into the stuff that they, they work on in terms of, you know, very similar to, say, the Rick Hansen Foundation, where they're, they're dealing with, you know, trying to help um, build accessible build spaces. Yeah. So, uh, and you know, and how many, how many employees did, did, uh, he say they had? Yeah. Like over 2000, right? There, there were a lot and a, I'll, I'll go, I'm going to go with a lot. Yeah. And a <laughs> hundred locations. I mean, wow. Wow. That's a lot of offices and that's a lot of people. So, 
um, yeah, we'll definitely have to have him on again. Uh, but no, you know, they, and they they have so many different programs at so many different times. I mean, I feel like we could probably have Len on every month to talk about new programs that they're having, but you know, it's heartening to hear that, um, a lot of these organizations are sort of are in the same boat. Um, but they've all had sort of the similar response, which is, you know, a really good community response to, online programming and, and being able to pivot like that. I think that it says a lot about both the organization, but also about um, the communities that they service and that support them. Um, there's just a lot of, a lot of really goodwill and a lot of um, being, being flexible and, and being there for each other during these times. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Well, it's not an amen, but... I mean, well, does, wait, does hallelujah mean the same thing? I don't know. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> that being said, hey, Ryan. Rob. Where can people find us? They can find us on Facebook. They can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. That's true, but I think he was probably suggesting that you mention the email. That's why I did it the other way around, because I always do You are just, you're <laughs> messing with me with these outros, man. Ever since you came back, you're just, I feel like you're messing with me, dude. Yeah? This is revenge for something, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, let's, let's see if Ryan's up to the task here. Okay. All right? right. Because people can email at, sorry, try that again. Because people can email us at cowbell at atbanter.com. I don't know. That sounded like a ricochet. I think that was a glancing blow, my friend. Okay, let's try it again. All righty. People, people can email us at cowbell at atbanter.com. I love how much of a perfectionist we are about, like, just the cowbell. The rest no. of the show, who gives a shit? Like, <laughs> That's we just, right. We don't. But, man, we screw up that cowbell. and Let's do another take. <laughs> <laughs> Cabell, take 12. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I, what's even left? Now you guys have derailed me again. I don't even know where I am. Like, who, what, what am I? Do, uh, bro, do we e do everything? E email, social media. Okay, so they can... Wait, no, we did the email. Yeah, yeah we, we did. But we did the website. Yeah, we have done the website. Well, they can also find us online at www.atbanter.com. Absolutely. All right. Good. Is that it? <laughs> I don't even know where we are now. <laughs> All right. Well, then that is going to about do it for us this week. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. A big thank you again to Len Baker and the March of Dimes. And we will see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H.com. Or call us toll-free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. 